Hello, everyone. Thanks for taking some time and listening this week to The Essentials. This week is an audio recording. There is no video recording this week. Paul and I are up in the woods, basically. (laughs) Not a lot of video equipment up here near Lake Pickerel. So we're recording a podcast this week. Thanks for taking time to listen as we talk about uh, sacrifice, talk about justification. And so we're hoping to have a good conversation tonight about some important topics. Next week, we will be back on live video chat and continue our audio podcast every week. Thanks for tuning in, but uh, we're going to get started tonight. Paul, why don't you give us a little recap, our thoughts on the sermon yesterday. Sure. Well, um, your topic yesterday was redemption. A couple of highlights that we'll go over. You uh, started out by talking about how this idea of kind of the idea of religion in general is sort of this mindset of it's like a, an us or me based mindset. It's about what do, what do I do to earn the approval of God? And that's kind of, um, I agree with your point there. That, that's really the most of the major religions in the world. That's really kind of how they're, they're set up in a way. It's all about an individual's performance or how they're living, what their morality is. And it's all to seek the approval or the favor of a God, whatever that God is. Christians fall into you know, the same trap, I think, because um, we get into this idea of trying harder, uh, doing better, <clears throat> trying to please God with our actions, rather than the whole thing being the other way around, which is that it's not our actions that, that earn God's favor. It's God's grace. It's his mercy on us that, that brings salvation and therefore, the actions and the things that we do do are a response to that, and they're in obedience to that. And that led into then when you're talking about the idea of righteousness, um, you talk about justification, and this is the way that that we are truly righteous, and that we are seen as as righteous in God's eyes, is that uh, we are justified. That is through the blood of Christ, we are made righteous. And that's how, that's how God sees us. Also, just to, to point out one more thing, I, I liked your idea of, of justification, how you talked about it being a complete restoration. Oftentimes, and it's good to talk about forgiveness, I think, um, but you made this point that it goes beyond just forgiveness, where forgiveness is saying, okay, you did this, now you're forgiven. Um, you're talking about what justification is, is a complete restoration. That is the slate being completely wiped clean, there's no, no more thought where God says, well, you did this, but I've forgiven you. The slate's been wiped clean as if that stuff never happened. Yeah. He sees us as, as holy and righteous, just as he sees Jesus Christ. And this is one of those incredible, <laughs> mind-blowing things, I think, when you get into talk about justification. And I'll let you yeah, one expound thing, on that. When we talk about justification, that you're declared righteous, or in other words, you're found approved before God. One of the things I didn't say yesterday, I don't think very well, is that really what that is, is you're returned to a status. You're returned back to what you're originally created to be, and that is to live in the image of God. So when I'm justified, I'm really returned to that status. Um, uh, And so sometimes, for example, as Christians, I believe we don't really live according to the status that we've been given in justification. A lot of times what ends up happening is, is that we're like, poor me, I'm a sinner, which is true, we are sinners. Um, but that's not our status anymore. Our status is that we are now saints in Christ. We have been returned to being in the image of God. And what we need to do now then is we need to live as saints. And that's the whole argument of the New Testament is that all of our behavior is based upon our justification. Basically, all of the argument of the Bible is this. Hey, 
You've been justified. This is who you are. This is, this is your identity. Now live that identity out thing. And I think that's where we really struggle sometimes because one of the arguments I hear a lot is, well, slow down here a little bit. You just declared that everyone's declared righteous by faith, not by works. So isn't everyone just going to mass chaos, do whatever they want? Mm-hmm. Think well, well, one way to think about that is this then. So basically what you're telling me is that the only reason you obey is when you're afraid of something that could happen to you if you don't obey. Mm-hmm. So the on, only motivation for obedience then is fear, according to that argument. If, if we can't be saved by grace, because if we do that, then we're just going to have mass chaos, everybody doing whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. Basically, we're saying the only motivation for obedience is fear. Right. I, think, I think there is a fear and a reverence we need to have for God. But that's not the motivation for our o- obedience, is not, is not mm-hmm. fear. And um, and I, I don't think fear is going to produce that obedience anyhow. Right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Paul talks about this, this in Romans, too, where, as you mentioned, okay, we're justified, we're freed. And, and Paul dealt with this issue where, you know, people are thinking, okay, now we can just go sin. We don't have to worry about it. You know, the slate's been clean. But what we're losing in that mindset is this idea of, like, regeneration is that, Part of this whole process is that our heart is renewed, we're changed, our complete mindset and attitude has changed. So to have that thought to say, well, now we're covered, let's go do whatever we want. <laughs> to be thinking that way, you gotta, yeah, you gotta to, check yourself on that yeah. because the, the regenerated heart, the heart that's, that's been declared righteous, doesn't want that, doesn't have those desires. The, you know, the, the change is that now we do want to do these things. We do yeah. want to be obedient. Yeah. So, the, um, One of the things that's missing, and when we talk about justification, we can't just talk about it in a legal sense. A lot of times when we talk about justification, we just talk about it as a debit and a credit. So, for example, when we say we're justified, what we a lot of times say is, well, we now have more credits than debits, which is true. The, the debits are now gone. We've got a complete mm-hmm. credit on our account, Jesus. But justification is not just this legal thing that happens. It's also a relational thing that happens, that when we're justified, we're returned to relationship with God. So it's not just a legal action, but it's a relational thing. And so the Apostle Paul, you know, talks, responds when he says, people are saying, yeah, people are just going to be sinning now that it's all by grace. And the Apostle Paul responds by saying, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Saying, Did you not know that when you were justified, you slayed the sinful self right. thing? You know, there's this thing that takes place that's a... It's a resurrection that happens. Really, justification is a death and a resurrection thing, a spiritual death and a spiritual resurrection to a new life, to a new relationship. But at the heart of justification, that enables justification, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ. His substitutionary sacrificial death enables us to be declared righteous because Jesus takes the punishment for our sin and we get his punishment. So let's spend a few minutes talking about the sacrifice of mm-hmm. Jesus, and it's hard to understand. Yep. I do have one question I'll start with there. Um, we see in the Old Testament there that God had established kind of an entire you know, process or law, as it was called, where sacrifices were made and all this, these things happened that God instituted it, <clears throat> and this was a way that sins were forgiven. So God's people followed his law by doing all the required sacrifices and all these things, and in this way the, the sin was forgiven. Now we see that Jesus has come and Jesus is called the ultimate sacrifice or the, the final sacrifice or things like that. Packer mentions in his book that 
Jesus now brings, Jesus is the new covenant. So the Old Testament law has, in a sense, it's been, been fulfilled by Christ, but it, you know, it's, it's changed. So one question is, you know, what, why was that Old Testament law no longer sufficient? Or why did God see the need to bring Jesus into the picture when he had already had this, this Old Testament process in place? Yeah, that's a good question. If you have your, if, if you have your J.I. Packer book, I'd really encourage you to look at page 135, page 135 in the J.I. Packer book. He has a really nice job of explaining how the sacrificial system set up in the Old Testament is actually set up to point forward to a greater reality. So all of the sacrifices, when people went forward to, to offer those sacrifices, they were offering those sacrifices by faith, trusting in the grace of God that God was going to cover their wrongdoing. And the sac- sacrifices offered were actually pointing forward to a greater reality that was fulfilled in Christ. And we learn in Ephesians, I believe it is, chapter 1, that before the foundations of the world, the plan was for Jesus Christ to be that sacrifice for Jesus. So it was all set up that those things would be pointing forward to the coming coming Messiah. And Packer does a nice job there on page 135 of explaining how all of those sacrifices were looking ahead to the future and then they were fulfilled in Christ and then therefore no more sacrifices were offered um, after that point forward. But again, the main point being that in the Old Testament, when they were offering those sacrifices, they were still offering them by faith. Trusting that God was going to remove their sin through the offering of this sacrifice. Now we know the object of our faith, and the object is Jesus Himself. That's what it says in Romans three that we receive this gift by by faith, and so mm-hmm. now we now we know the object of that faith is Jesus. But sacrifice, you know, we still it's still a tough topic because when we talk about sacrifice, we are talking about the death of someone. Mm-hmm. We're talking about blood. Um, blood being shed and a lot of us have a hard time believing that well why does blood have to be shed right it's um, always messy it yeah. seems like <laughs> yeah that's a and um there's this word that we talked a little bit about yesterday propitiation um in in the new testament that talks in of or atonement which means to cover over our wrongdoing or make amends propitiation really means to satisfy the wrath of of god and so jesus dying on the cross satisfied the wrath of god um, where we get into trouble a lot of times is that most of us would agree that we've done wrong in life and we're sinners. Uh, where we start to divert a little bit is, okay, what's the result of that sin? According to the Bible, the result of that sin is that we're put at odds with God, that our wrongdoing has greatly offended God and God needs to punish that sin thing. And so um, God wants to punish it. Uh, so the question is, who takes that punishment for the wrongdoing? And, and according to Scripture, Jesus takes the punishment for us, and then we get to take Jesus's righteousness. Mm-hmm. What you've kind of just hit on there is, I think, a, a place where you know people struggle a lot when they think about God, and they think about we know God is is love. We think of God as a, a loving God, even a just God. But what, what you've kind of brought into the picture here when you talk about propitiation, specifically meaning that God's wrath was satisfied. So. We also know from that God is a wrathful God. It's tough to make that leap, I guess, to think that God is also love and God is also wrathful. So is there some way you can maybe help us understand that a little bit? How, is, how can God be both? How can he be loving and wrathful? There's not a good way to understand it. We just have it revealed to us 
that God um, seeks to punish wrongdoing because God is perfect. God cannot be in the presence of darkness, cannot be in the presence of wrongdoing. He's declared that he will punish wrongdoing. And so um, on page 132 of the J.I. Packer book, page 132 of the J.I. Packer book, J.I. Packer quotes John Kelvin, um, and he says, John Kelvin says, in an inconceivable way, God loved us even when he hated us. In an inconceivable way, God loved us even when he hated us. That's a deep statement that's extremely hard to understand. Mm -hmm. That um, God, we were enemies of God, it tells us in Romans chapter 5. But at the exact same time, he loved us and took the initiative to send his son to die on our behalf. Um, Again, we're trying to use human words, human pictures to describe something that's beyond us mm-hmm. things it's hard to describe hard to understand we can only go with what's revealed to us in scripture mm-hmm. god is a loving god what could be really helpful is to think of the idea of justice god being a just god you hit on this in the sermon a little bit yesterday too and that is um as you said god god is good god cannot be in the presence of evil evil has to be banished from his presence so god is just when evil is punished and when it's banished. In that, I guess there is wrath, I would say, because the consequences for that evil or for that not being obedient to God, the consequences are harsh. And in that, you'd have to say there's wrath because of, of what happens. And ultimately, another thing it's hard for some people to think about, God is sovereign. He, he's sovereign over everything. People will debate, well, does he actively punish does he actively send people to hell or is this just a consequence of our own actions and that's just the result but to me the bottom line is god is sovereign he's in control of all of that he can he can affect all of that however he wants so god would be completely just in sending any of us to hell right now right because we've all rejected him yes god would be completely just in wiping all of us away right now Mm -hmm. Um, so he has to satisfy uh, the justice of God. And to satisfy that, Jesus takes our punishment. Um, and, and God is perfectly just and perfectly loving at the exact same time. And to bring this really at a practical level, think of it this way. Jesus Christ dying on the cross should cause two things to happen in us. I call it the M and M effect. First, Jesus' death on the cross magnifies the depth of our sin. When Jesus is on the cross, we should look at our own sin going, wow, my sin is serious. Serious to the point where God sent his only son to die for us. That's extremely practical in the sense that I need to examine myself now to see how sinful I am. At the exact same moment that the death of Christ magnifies my sin, the other M is this, is that it magnifies God's love for me. And so Jesus on the cross magnifies my sin, but it also magnifies how much God loves me. That even though I was doing wrong, God still sent his son Jesus to die for me. And today you need to hear that message. You need to know the depth of your sin, how much you've offended God, how much I have offended God. I need to examine my own heart and battle against these things that are against God. And at the same time, though, I need to know that I'm loved more than I can even imagine thing that I should not look to other things or to other people to find my strength and my hope but know that God loves me so much so this 
This whole thing of justification, sacrifice, it's extremely practical in that it reveals the depth of our sin as well as reveals how much God loves us. Yeah, Sorry, that was absolutely. like a sermon right there in the oh, last three was, minutes. So. That was very well said. If you tuned me out, apologize, come back, come back. <laughs> hey, that's, uh, that's the gospel. That's, just, that's what we need to hear. So that was definitely good. I was just reminded as you were talking there about, a, I think you even sent this to me maybe once, a quote from John Piper, and he said, we should be singing the glories of justification. And I still remember that. Um, I heard that a couple years ago. Justification is an incredible thing. We already talked about it a little bit earlier here in our in our talk, but this idea to be completely restored, the slate wiped clean, for actually our former selves to be forgotten. And, and again, that gets to one of those things because we're living in this idea where we're completely aware of everything that we've done. Yep. So we can't... We can't conceive that something can be totally forgotten. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, we, we can't conceive that we're looked at as perfect in God's eyes through Jesus. You know, when you talk about something to dwell on, <laughs> I think that's something to dwell on because that, that is an incredible, awesome thing. And it, it also helps to understand, to me, what forgiveness really is, is that that's why God can look on you and say, yes, come into my kingdom for eternity. You belong here because you've been declared righteous. So. And that declaration that we are righteous that moves us to what I would call the next practical thing, and that's this. Stop protecting our own righteousness because we've got nothing to protect. Mm-hmm. We walk around as these two goody, whatever you want to call them, goody tissue, what do you say that? <laughs> goody tissues? Goody tissues Christians go. walking around. you got no righteousness to protect. So one of the things I finished yesterday, the sermon was this. We need honest confession. Let's deal with the crap that we've got in our lives because we don't have righteousness to protect. The only righteousness we're claiming is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we should put everything on the table, recognizing that putting it on the table is not going to make us evil before God. Thing, and It's not going to mm-hmm. take away um, our standing because our standing is not our righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Jesus. And, um, and so Jesus died for that sin. There's two things here that I'll finish with. One is this. Jesus' sacrifice, death for our sin should motivate us to say, you know what? I need to examine that sin in my life and fight against it. If Jesus died for it, it's serious. And then secondly, if I'm not standing before God by my own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus, I need to stop protecting my righteousness and pretending that I'm righteous, and I need to get out there and fight this battle against sin so I can honor God in all areas of my life. Not for the purpose of standing righteous, but for the purpose of honoring and glorifying God and living as a, as a, as a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really good news. This is, this is the best stuff there is right here. Um, mm-hmm. This justification is, yesterday's non-negotiable, is that we are declared righteous by faith in Jesus who died for our sins. I would argue that this is the nugget. This is the one, this is the pillar. This pillar collapses, everything collapses around it. We cannot give in on this point. And some of you are saying, well, everybody agrees we're saved by grace. No, not everybody agrees we're saved by grace. We have to stand firm on this. This is the pillar on which the church stands or falls. Um, if we're not saved by grace, if we're not justified, we're not declared righteous by our faith in Jesus, we're helpless, and uh, everything else falls apart. Amen to that. So we'll be back next live, hopefully tonight. We kind of went off on some tangents and a little bit preachy tonight. <laughs> Apologize for that. 
thing. Again, I really encourage you to pick up this J.I. Packer book. Um, read the chapters this week that we're talking about sacrifice, mediation, salvation. Mm-hmm. There's some good stuff in there to strengthen us in our understanding. The point is, again, strengthen our foundation, enter into a life of freedom to live the way God created us to live. Uh, so please uh, continue to send in your questions. We're going to be answering some of the questions that were sent in. They'll be posted as little audio clips and little video clips for each question that's asked. So please send in your questions. Yeah, we'll to you especially tonight, too, since we're not interactive tonight. If you listen to this and you have, uh, you have questions, send them in, and we, we will address them as best that we can. Absolutely. So. Thanks for tuning in from Lake Pickerel. <laughs> thing. This is Rich. And this is Paul. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.